Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone. I'm here with Murray McCormick, uh, and uh, welcome to the latest edition of Rider Rumblings, our <laughs> video podcast. Um, well, <laughs> the Rough Riders went into Montreal on on Saturday and pretty much played the same type of game they always play. Sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. Lately, they've been winning more often than they've been losing while kind of playing the same type of football throughout. Yeah. Um, their record is now 7-4. and four. They've clinched a playoff spot. And uh, it's it's just an interesting phenomenon, Mur, because the same type of things that we were harping on when they were losing seem to be some of the same type of things we were harping on or even complimenting when they're winning. When they were losing, AC Leonard was playing pretty well. They're winning, AC Leonard is playing pretty well. The offense is struggling, win or lose. There's some some uh, clock management issues and game management issues, win or lose. Um, is this team just... By, by 11 games into this season, just what it's going to be? Is that what we're destined to watch for the remainder of the season? When I was preparing for this podcast, that's what I thought. Like, what are we going to talk about that says, oh, we're going to advance this team forward. We're going to move forward. I said, nope, it's the same old stuff. Oh, hang on, I almost got sacked there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Bad joke for the what six ha- sacks. What happened? <laughs> oh, sorry. No, that- <laughs> That was a bad, sorry, a bad attempt at humor. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought, I thought maybe there was misfortune befalling you there. No, I You know how sympathetic sort of, I am in these situations. Yeah, I was just trying a bad joke. Is it okay? Sorry, first joke of November, last joke of November. <laughs> anyway, I I don't know how, and you, you, touched, you talked about it today, I don't know what they do with the offensive line. I You know, it's three, what, three games left in the regular season. They are what they are. You know, they are not a very good team. They... Someone mentioned they get Brendan Labatt. I don't think their issues are at guard as much as they are at the tackles. I don't know how they improve things. Brett Boyko is Brett Boyko. Andrew Lauderdale had a tough game, which I kind of thought he might play a little bit better. But they still win. They still, you know, did they play better in the second half? I'd say arguably not. Argue a little better in the second half in the offensive line. Enough to win. So but maybe that. They got their touchdown in the first half. <laughs> Yeah, I know. You know, but that's the team they are. They're a team with a weak offensive line that I think Jason Moss is not is not trying to find ways to set up plays that kind of hide that aspect. But you still got to play the game. You still got to throw the ball and run the ball. And the, the offensive line isn't giving the Riders that opportunity. And somehow, some way, they've got to somehow sort it out. And if you have any suggestions, Rob, or if anybody has any suggestions that doesn't include bringing in another body. Because really, anybody comes in, I'm thinking how it, it's got to be seven to fourteen days. Because they keep messing around with that quarantine period, it seems to bounce around. And really, you know, with one game left into the playoffs, are they really going to make that move? So maybe, I don't know, try to get continuity, try to get something going better with the offensive line, and then because everything's do? three regular well. season games left. Like, what can you do every, by the time you infuse somebody in? And if uh, it's it's almost playoff time, if not playoff time, and and so much is based upon cohesion and timing with an offensive line. And uh, really, at this stage, what what can they do but stick with who they've been playing with and hope that somehow it gets better? That's the I only thing think... I look at when I look at this off. When they look at the football team. That's the only thing that I think they can bring down the whole house is that offensive line. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, it's all connected. not an insignificant uh, factor. It's all connected, too. Like, if the offensive line doesn't block as well, they can't have a running game. They can't have that deep passing game if they aren't stopping defensive ends from chasing Cody all over the field. So it's all it's all one big connection, and it's falling. And 
can't say falling down. It's disconnected at the most important connection. Can't say that either because we keep forgetting they're still winning. They're seven and four and they're in the playoffs. Yeah. Some days it's you remember the nineties. Some days that was enough. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember. I remember. I sat through two seasons when they went two and fourteen. I've seen you know three a couple of three win seasons in my lifetime. So I mean, this is a team that's won seven games in one season, and there's still three regular season games remaining. Uh, but it's it's just a it's sometimes it's a really laborious team to watch because they oh. they sure do it the hard way, and uh, it's 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 a real puzzle, and you have to remind yourself. And they've allowed ten sacks over the past two games, and they've won both of them. <laughs> yeah, you know, I listened to the post game. I listened to the CGME post game, Green Zone post game show on CGME CKOM on Saturday, and you know, people are calling for you know, some, they're complaining about Jason Moss, oh, yeah. they're complaining about Cody Fajardo. It's 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 it sounded like a post game show emanating from a defeat, and I'm not yeah. I'm not saying that uh, to criticize Jamie Nye or Belton Johnson or our former colleague Daryl Davis. That's the, that was the tenor of the feedback from the callers. And uh, it's, it's just really a weird vibe this year. I remember in 1981, the Riders went seven and they started off at seven and four after back, that was back to back two and 14 seasons that I, re, I recalled. And, and it just, it was like a celebration, seven and four, nobody could believe it. Now this team's seven and four. And it's like, Ugh. the difference, that team yeah. was exciting to watch. This team is just, it's, it's oral surgery sometimes watching these games. But they're seven but and four, and you have to give them that. It's masterful what, what they're. I mean, you can you can almost say it's masterful to do what they've done, coaching wise, <laughs> to coach around a, a glaring deficiency such as an offensive line. What a play! What a week! What a game by the defense, though. Let's give them oh, some goodness. credit. Like five sacks, so that maybe in the world of math counteracts the six sacks a little bit. Or they chase Matt Schiltz out of the game. You know, yeah. And I remember reading before that game, there was no way they were ever going to, Kari Jones says, there was no way they are ever going to do that to him. Trevor Harris wasn't ready, but then outtrust Trevor Harris. And look, Trevor Harris looked pretty mediocre too, but the defense made him look. But, you know, we kind of think about A.C. Leonard had that an incredible game, eight defensive tackles. He plays linebacker. He plays defensive end. He gets sacks. He chases quarterbacks. He changes he was the, the best player in the field, and it was, wasn't even close. Not even close. And, this is a guy who's missed three games, and we, we're not going to be able to forget that. But, boy, he's since he's come back, he's just been dominant. He's just been the best I, best player, arguably, in all, all four games. And he was named a CFL Top Performer of the Week today, and rightfully so. And it's funny, because when I was winning, I was going, well, why would they pick a rider from a losing game? Because I had that same thought. It, it really has that vibe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They won. They won. A.C. Leonard was a stud. And Jonathan not, it wasn't just the sacks. You mentioned you mentioned Woodard. You mentioned AC Leonard. It wasn't just the sacks, though. You look at the the tackles for losses. Anthony okay. Lanier had two. AC Leonard had two. They trapped the the Alouettes behind the line of scrimmage so many times, or held them to no gain, such as that quarterback sack or the the the, the failed uh, quarterback sneak, where AC Leonard yeah. just burrowed his way under the offensive line, grabbed Matt Schultz's foot, and then and then Charbel Debeer came in and finished him off. So. I mean, they were uh, there was a there was a uh, there were a second second and one and uh, AC Leonard stops he stops stand back in his tracks twice yeah that uh, was engineering a, a punt on one occasion and uh, and a turnover on downs the next time um, uh, it set up a third and two and then the rider uh, Montreal couldn't convert AC Leonard was just all over the place Anthony Delevingne uh Micah Johnson chewing up double coverage Charbel De Beer 
uh, being very yeah. conspicuous. McCann, McCann Henry being conspicuous. Pete Robertson with two sacks. You just keep going on and on about their about their defensive yeah. linemen. Um, Lucius Purefoy. Well, Purefoy changes the game with an interception. Absolutely, that was um, a play of the game. I think that was yeah. a play of the game. I know there are others and stuff, and you can but that because the offense was just sort of grinding it out, not very exciting, not doing very much. It not very first emotion. down to that point. Yeah, and then Lucius Purefoy gets that pick, and boom, they go down and they score, and it was just like, wow, what a what a great you know, what a great play, Lucius Purefoy. You know, we were thinking of defensive players of the year, and I I remember naming he would be the guy, and I think he still is. But AC Leonard sure is making Leonard's a bid him for a run. AC <laughs> Leonard's going to be amazing. I mean, and he took a lot of heat over, of course, um, that post game incident after the <laughs> Labor Day game, yeah. and, uh, and 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 became a bit of a punchline. And uh, hey, I had my fun with that one. But um, and a lot a, a lot of others did. But when he's been in the lineup, the impact that he has made, uh, just an absolutely sensational player throughout 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 the eight games that he's been ava- been available you notice him every time every every game he always does something he's so athletic so uh versatile like you mentioned and just the manner in which he impacted the game on 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 Saturday was was just amazing you have to give him his due because he took a lot of heat and he took responsibility and he stepped up and he did the zoom call and he was very contrite and he owned it and uh, uh and and since then He's come back and, and played even better than he had been before missing those three games. Not saying something, he was a very impactful player before that, but he's he's uh, it's uh, it seems to have uh, somehow uh, made him even better, which is tough to uh, tough to imagine because he was really playing well before he uh, ended up missing those three games. And we never mentioned him missing Charleston Hughes this year. Barely a word on that. We thought that'd be kind of impactful. Mind you, he was a little older than other, but he hasn't done much very much with Toronto lately. But, you know, the Charles and Hughes is an afterthought. The Riders have moved on and moved on very well along the defensive line with with the guys they have. So that's kind of thing. And we, I think Leonard would have still been in there. Let's say in a perfect world it would have been Hughes, Freddie Bishop III, and Leonard back in the day if that had worked out. I think Leonard I think Leonard still would have had a, an incredible thing. And in good form, as I said, Rob, you mentioned that. To come back from what he did, that and it, he caused it on himself. It's all on, his, it's all on Leonard. All that stuff that happened was on Leonard. And to still stand up and play better, that I think does make him an opportunity to be the uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, let's quickly touch on Vedvik, the Corey, as we learned how you pronounce his name, because uh, I pronounced it Kara last week. Corey, you had the number of his hang times. He, you know, he wasn't bad, was he? Average time, average hang time was three, average. Average hang time was 3.90 seconds. I inserted that into your story. I didn't tell you, but I did. Um, <laughs> then what were you? <laughs> uh, and uh, he, of his eight punts, three of them had hang times exceeding four seconds. Uh, in, in, in a couple of cases, he was flirting with 4.4. Those are John Ryan type peak hang times. John's usually in the low fours with hang times, with average hang time. And, and, and Vedvik in his debut was 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 3.9. So that's very credible. Um, that could have been a huge loss for the Riders, and still may prove to be. But uh, Hey, to be able to fill that actually. position with a global player and actually have a useful place to exactly. wait to use the global instead of it just being a token mannequin on the sidelines waiting for pigeons to land on your shoulders, you've actually got a global player who can who can yeah. go in there and contribute. That's the way it should that, be. That's right. And, and and good for him and good for and maybe this you know, you and I have both been very critical of this global plan of not producing anything other than guys standing on the sidelines. So maybe it took a little bit of patience to get to get a guy in there who can do something. And 
You know, something, if he keeps that's the only position where he really can. Yeah, he might. You know, global, he might be a long term. There's a lot of soccer in those countries. Yeah, he might be a long term solution. Like John Ryan's not any younger. He's got a really severely sprained ankle. I've heard high sprain. I've heard Craig Dickinson mentioned a possible break in there, broken bones. So John, maybe John's. Maybe this was a lot. John's last season. I'm not saying we know that by any stretch of the imagination, but he's going to be gone for the season, and maybe uh, Corey. I don't know how you get Corey out of that first name, but anyway. A-A-R-E is Corey, okay. Yeah, that's kind of weird, but good for him. And he was, he, yeah, he's a great guy. He just wanted to talk the other day. Just, you know, he's finally getting into it. He's elite athletes. Sometimes you forget they work out by themselves so much. But when they get a chance to be in the crowd, they, get, they kind of like to talk a little bit. So he was pretty cool about that. Uh, they got a playoff spot, Rob. Now we have, coming up ahead of us, the awesome – uninspiring, uninspired, uninteresting, other than off-field controversy, Edmonton Elks. Back-to-back games. I would assume if they win those two, they got a home playoff game, or maybe even one. Ziefeld just mentioned today that there's a, the Riders can't, can't do anything to the playoff position other than help get a better idea of playoff positioning. But can this be a trap game? And I hate that trap game words, but I'm trying to remember, and I looked it up one year, the Riders were – cruising along and they went to Ed, played another bad Edmonton team and got their butts kicked. I wonder, is this Edmonton team capable of kicking anybody's butt? <laughs> uh, if they're contortionists, perhaps they should kick their own. Um, yeah. The the Craig Dickinson, Jeremy O'Day regime with Cody Pajardo, a quarterback, has done a great job of ensuring that trap games don't uh, become uh, losses. They've flirted mm-hmm. with with uh, defeat every now and then, but um, uh, since July of uh, of 2019, since they lost that game in Ottawa, Cody Fajardo's first start. Since then, the only teams they have lost to are uh, Calgary and and Winnipeg. Other than that, they're 18 and 0. So they haven't they haven't lost to anybody but Calgary or Winnipeg since since. Uh, since week, since early, very early in the 2019 season. I don't doubt you, but that sounds like an interesting. So um, that means nice. they've been rolling. And Cal- Calgary was great in 2019. They've surged a bit this year, thanks to the Rough Riders. They were two and five when the Riders started playing them. The Riders turned them into a four and five team and then beat them. Um, but Calgary is still Calgary. And Winnipeg. Um, is, has, has won the Grey Cup last year and is is a favorite to win the Grey Cup this year. So that tells me that when they play a team that they should step on, the exception being that two and five Calgary team. But again, that's Calgary. When they play a team they should step on, they squash the bug. Sorry to bug lovers everywhere, but that happens to bugs every now and then. Um, yeah. So that gives you, I think, some some reassurance if you're looking at it from a Rough Rider perspective that they should be able to go into Edmonton and win, and then certainly uh, uh, defenestrate them. <laughs> on November 13th at Mosaic Stadium. Do they have to romp? Do they need a, a butt kicking? Do they have to go in there and say, hit 50 points against Edmonton to get people no. to say, yeah, this is just a win is a win they is a win. might not get 50 points in two games against Edmonton, the way this offense is going. But mm-hmm. um, they just got to win. You know, they, they've, they've, it isn't always pretty. And I think as far, it almost reprises what we talked about earlier in the podcast. This team isn't going to, but kick anybody, but they're going to find a way to win. They're going to grind it out. Uh, You know, a win on the road is, is never an especially easy thing. 
So um, I would expect them to win on Friday night. I wouldn't expect 400 yards passing. I wouldn't expect 50 points. Uh, I might expect uh, um, AC Leonard to be all over the place again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you, if you can do it against against a, a team such as Montreal, like a team such as Calgary, you, I think you can certainly go into Edmonton and do it. That team seems to be in, in utter disarray. And that's also a very, very banged up Edmonton team and a yeah. team that really doesn't seem to care. Um, you know, Terry Jones is already, you know, taking, taking that whole organization task. It just seems like you just need to flush everything there and start over again. And uh, so, I mean, this this is as winnable as a game a game gets in professional sports. And you can tell the just, apathy. Just, I think so. And there's also the apathetic attitudes extended to the fans because they said 22,000 there. And I've seen quotes between eight and 10,000. Whoever thought that Edmonton would have eight to 10,000 people for a football game at Commonwealth Stadium in our, That's in our lifetime. That is Argo-esque. And the Argo-esque one wasn't much better. It looked like about 9,000. And we've gone on and on about Toronto. Boy, when it's starting to, to seep, not seep, to storm into places like Edmonton and Calgary now with these attendance issues, even Montreal didn't look particularly well attended. But it was pouring rain and... Maybe that's being expected. That's just, that's just professional sport these days. Look at look at uh, NHL teams that nor ordinarily could count on sellouts, and they're no longer getting them. You know, teams that never had empty seats are now advertising that tickets are available. So if that's happening at the NHL level, you know, the, the, I think the repercussions and the reverberation is certainly going to be felt at the CFL level. We're talking a different price point per ticket. Yeah, but we're also talking about. Um, a different prestige level. Uh, and uh, uh, the CFL has always had attendance issues. Some of these Canadian-based NHL teams, just they're not used to seeing any empty seats, or at least yep. unsold seats. In Toronto, they just go sit in the lounge after they pay for their third-row seats. But um, so they do. Because I, I was there it, two weeks ago. Yeah. But the, the buffer that the NHL and, and other, other leagues that are facing attendance issues is they've got these massive TV contracts and the type of type of foundations that allowed them to play through a pandemic, which the CFL couldn't do, being as gate driven as it is. And now that they're back having games and they're as dependent on the gate as, as before and hoping to recoup some of the losses that were incurred during the during in 2020 and then attendances, including here, aren't what they were hoping for or banking on. Again, it's really it's really concerning. The CFL is uh, is in a very precarious situation when you look at the attendances. The NHL teams they'll they'll withstand it. CFL, what if it gets worse? When you're you're well, seeing they, teams supposed heartland of the Canadian Football League, such as Edmonton, facing these issues, how many people will be there? Well, actually, with the Riders coming in, they'll probably get a pretty I, decent crowd because um, that's a Friday night fans will add a few thousand to the to the gate. I would think it's a Friday night game though, and I wonder if I know the way it's good. It's people still have jobs, and so making the eight-hour run to Edmonton by a car or whatever, I don't know, is as attractive mean, as it was. Saskatchewan expatriates in, in, in Alberta, those usually yeah. fill up quite a few seats. They seem to be as crazy as they are in Calgary as compared to Edmonton, at least based on my yeah. – but you kind of hope there'll be a big crowd. But uh, speaking of losses, and I know we don't like to do this because we haven't been to practice yet, but swerving, you know, Kyran Moore went down with what looked like an apparent knee injury, and he showed up on sideline on crutches. You know, there's their leading receiver. Fortunately, they have Shaq Evans and Duke Williams. But, you know, I think uh, we underestimate a lot of the things that Kyron Moore does for that team, including his energy and his enthusiasm and his leadership. 
on the field. I don't their know. Best receiver in space. He's their most yeah. elusive receiver. He's their fastest receiver. Uh, but he's not a number one receiver. But with Duke Williams and Shaq Evans here, he was perfectly situated, suited for a number three role. Yeah. And uh, he played the number. Well, him and Naaman Roosevelt were sort of the next option after Shaq Evans in in 2019. Mm-hmm. And, and so. He, he can be a 1A type of receiver, and to, to lose somebody who gives them a dimension that none of their other receivers have is certainly costly. It, it wasn't an accident in, in that uh, in the Riders' first game with Duke Williams and Shaq Evans in the in the offense together. It was yeah. Kyron Moore who led the Riders in receptions and receiving yards and scored a touchdown. Because suddenly he's not getting the best defensive back the air team has, yeah. and you can put him in one-on-one matchups, and that's how he scored that touchdown. And and he's the kind of player you can just have fun with with a joystick if you're if you're Jason Moss, yeah. and that's that's a that's a huge loss for the Rough Riders. And who replaces him? Like I was looking through the do we move KSB or Keon Schaefer Baker from that backup wide slot wide receiver to slot? Do you go with Rashard Davis? Or, there again? Hmm? Yeah, I. There again? Paul McRoberts. Paul McRoberts. Then it Long gets forgotten. Skin- Paul McRoberts. And Justin McInnes, uh, you know, might be an option, but he's injured, so it can't. Jake Hardy isn't isn't really a guy that can step in there and replace him as a Canadian, so they're going to have some uh, some work to replace him. Now, just I would think they'd, can, they'd fill that spot with an American, so it comes down to Ricardo. And it, we just cover on covering our, but we may get there and Tyron Moore be running around practice today. But you and I both know we saw what happened on on Saturday, and it'd be pretty, pretty sound very optimistic after the game in Montreal. Very optimistic. He may be gone for a while, which is unfortunate. That's, that's, he's such, such a nice young man, too. Yeah, and it's their injury list. is So they're pretty banged up from top to bottom, too, if you look at their long injury. I meant to add up the numbers today, but then I got busy reading one of your stories. But they've, they've got a pretty impressive, <laughs> impressive. Can you have an impressive list of injuries? They have a pretty long list of list impressive of players on an injury list. Yeah, there you go. That's good. That's why you make a living talking about words, eh? Writing, writing good. So anyway, uh, yeah, this they, they've got to somehow keep fighting through all these injuries, and they don't, they don't, you know, they made it. Shaq Evans comes back, so they are lucky. As I said, Shaq Evans and Duke Williams being back gives them two all-star receivers that can maybe step up for Kyren. But as you said, he was that third option that was just so good and gave Corey another chance, and could be Cody. well missed. Cody, sorry, God. Sorry about that. No, and, but I mean, uh, you, you can just do things with him that, that 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 you can't do with any of the other receivers. He's just he's their most elusive. He's their receiver. He's their fastest receiver. Uh, you just get him in space, and you can have fun. And I thought, as much as Duke Williams and Jack Evans were going to revitalize the Ryder passing game, it was also going to present options for using Kyron Moore that uh, mm-hmm. that hadn't previously been there because he was the one guy that I think that the opposing defensive coordinators had to worry about shutting down. And uh, before Williams and, and Evans entered. And, we, you know, we haven't seen the big numbers out of either of them yet. You know, Duke no. Williams had had uh, all his receptions in game one in the first half. He had all his receptions in game two in the second half. So he went more than a full game without a catch. Yeah. And his most notable plays have been on on special teams with the with the two onside kick recoveries. As far as Shaq Evans, you just keep waiting for that explosion. They tried one pass to him in the end zone in Calgary. Yeah. Didn't work. They tried another one in the corner, didn't work. Uh, Duke Duke Williams was open on. Here's Candy. Here's Candy. Oh, looks like Candy's, Candy. Is that Candy's just back? Just got in for her walk. And uh, no cone. Uh, She's no longer Duke a cone Williams head. Was, no, no cone. Duke Williams mm-hmm. was open in the end zone on the incompletion to uh, to Shaq Evans, and they just waited on that one a little bit more. Hi, Candy. 
<laughs> just got in for a walk. She's thrilled. Are you a good girl? And um, <laughs> Murr, you're gonna have to carry this one for a sec. They had Jack Evans open down the sideline for what should have been a 33 yard major in Calgary. And uh, Almondo Sewell, as, he, as he's been known to do, kind of created a push, and Cody had to throw off his back foot, and the, the pass was errant. That should have been a, just a gimme touchdown there. And uh, they just can't get Shaq Evans on track, but Edmonton might be a remedy for a lot of things. There might be a lot of I good can't... things coming out of it. Maybe maybe we'll see something out of the return game. Wouldn't that be funny? A nice change, I, too. Like I can't a... imagine that happening. We <laughs> talked earlier about they are what they are. That's what they are. The return game isn't going to uh, really be that. Anybody, Just don't fumble the punt. Don't fumble the kickoff. Right, Candy? Yeah. This is she a cute dog. She's in the Humane Society calendar, by the way. She's Miss April. So for 10 bucks, you can get a nice picture of Candy, and she'll be pleased to autograph it for you. Okay. That would be good. She'll give you a pause, a pause print on that. Yeah. Yeah. She looks better now. She's all groomed, too. Yeah, she just got uh, positively perfect yeah. a week and a half ago. She's not on the cute. lips, Rob. Not on the lips. Ew. She's so cute. <laughs> Sorry. But anyway, she back to the church. Well, maybe she we finishes her walk. The... My wife took her for a walk, and then she always comes running upstairs to uh, say that she's back. And I, I had a feeling she would uh, make her presence felt during the podcast. So. Sorry well, maybe that. that's about enough time spent on the return game because we really have no other options. Jamal Murrow can come back and maybe make a difference. Somehow, you know, the, the special teams has been pretty good this year. You know, Brett Lothar has been terrific. Uh, yes. He went through a spell. Where, he went through a spell where he's been missing, where he was missing some kicks. But when Brett Lothar, and this goes back to 2018, when Brett Lothar's had to make a kick, when it's been a really important kick, he's made it. I can't think yeah. of an exception. Uh, he's so reliable. Uh, John Ryan was John Ryan. Uh, Kari Vedvik yeah. uh, had a nice debut. Their coverage teams have been very sound this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the only area in special teams that's really been troublesome has been the uh, the return game but at I least they haven't been fumbling the ball in the return game at least they haven't been turning yeah. it over but uh, that's the best that can be said about the return game is that it just hasn't been a liability it just hasn't been a it's just been neutral yeah nothing no field position gain no field position really lost and you know you just when the riders failed a punt you just think okay don't get called for holding don't get whole call for a legal block just don't take it back at all um, well, Craig, well, the penalties are still are still a bit of an issue with this football team, but yeah. you wait for after every big play to see where the flag is going to fall. Don't you find that yeah, way? That's Canadian football. As long as I've been watching it, it's been that way on special teams. Yeah. I mean, how many how many penalty how many touchdowns did Gizmo Williams have called back due to penalty? Oh, I remember some someone tried to go through and figure that out, and they couldn't because they didn't keep track of them that way back in the but day. It was double Gizmo. digit. I mean, it yeah. was a pretty health. If you add the number of number of times he crossed the end, it crossed the goal line on kick returns. I mean, it's it's even more astronomical than his stats already are, already are. So, yeah, but what haven't we explored so far? Let's talk about Cody Fajardo a bit. Um, just one, before we leave, I want to just one point. Gizmo Williams was famous for his backflips. AC Leonard did a backflip after that. Remember, That's remember uh, Hugh Charles used to do the backflips too here. Yeah, and they were only like under five feet. This guy's. <laughs> AC Leonard's a little taller yeah. than that, so that's a pretty athletic now, move. The question is, it's an athletic move, yes, it's a celebration. Do you want your all-star defensive end doing backflips? Well, I guess you don't do them unless you can do them. But anyway, that's just a a little point. I know I could never do one. I can lucky if I can roll over on my side these days. Anyway, Cody Fajardo, 
He's, I don't think I don't think All Stars in his season this year. Do you, Rob? Um, you well, he, let's look around the West. I mean, Zach. That's easy. Zach Kalaros is the West. Zach's got the All Star and Zach deservedly so. Deservedly and, so. And, and uh, I would I would nominate him for most outstanding player. Yeah, uh, Zach Kalaros has been terrific. Um, Cody Fajardo. Um, again, it's a different dynamic than it was in 2019. Different offensive coordinator, different scheme, a higher expectations than there were two years ago. I think we've seen more emotion and more frustration than we did from Cody that first year, which was a joy ride, even though the way it ended with the oblique injury and the, and the bitter loss to Winnipeg, it was still a, it was still a charmed year for Cody Fajardo this year. The, the bar is raised expectation wise. And, but I don't think what's around Cody Fajardo is what it was. You look at that offensive line in, in 2019, even though they had to deal with the absence of, of Brennan Labatt for a, considerable portion of that season they had the depth to overcome that and, and mm-hmm. their tackles were were you know Thaddeus Coleman always always did a good job Taron Vaughn uh was tremendous and, and he hurt his shoulder early in training camp this year and as much as yeah. people talk about Brendan Labatt etc that Taron Vaughn injury created that domino effect and that is still being felt uh the uh, Dakota Shepley was part of the equation even if you look at Brad Braden, Braden Schramm I will say this about the offensive line I gotta say something nice about them um the first pass to Kyron Moore that was dropped, Cody Fajardo had a perfect pocket. Yes. Uh, the, in, the incompletion to Shaq Evans in the end zone, Cody Fajardo had a nice pocket on, on that play. On the William Powell touchdown, the right side of the offensive line caved in the left side of the Montreal defensive line. Josiah St. John, who was in the game for extra reinforcements, just bulldozed somebody. And I replayed it and replayed it, trying to figure out who it was on the Montreal side and couldn't. But uh, Josiah St. John... Uh, bulldozed somebody. The, the, the initial block, Montreal was blitzing, kind of had a run blitz going on, it looked like. And uh, and Alex Dupuis, great story on him and Megan Benfito, by the way, in last Saturday's <laughs> paper. Um, Dupuis didn't get a piece of the blitzer, enough of the blitzer. So he comes in, William Powell's got to improvise, gets away from the blitzer, spins, and then goes to his right. And that's where that's where you suddenly see that, that Josiah St. John was 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 very impactful on that side. Brett Boyko did a nice job. Logan Furlan did a nice job. They just they just took care of Montreal and steamrolled them to the left, and and, and William Powell went to the right for the Riders' only touchdown of the game. So let's give the offensive line some love there. What are you doing, Cam? Yeah, she's got a bone hidden underneath the bed sheets, and she's she's rather determined to find it. These are so many There's ways you could go with that joke. There's so many ways we could go with that joke. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, but that goes back to where we kind of started this. <laughs> that goes back to where we started this. But this is who they are. They are. Like the offensive line yeah. can do those things that you just mentioned there. It can happen, good things. And then we all talk about the bad things that happen. So I know I know they have a good way of insulating themselves from the noise outside the stadium. One thing good football teams are, and we've seen that. They say they don't listen to all the criticism. but it's pretty hard but to go But as soon as you criticize them, you're very, they're very quick to hear back from them. <laughs> yeah, they don't. So. Yeah, so, And justifiably so. So maybe, you know, they got these three games, like, as we said, two games against Edmonton should win them. Hamilton likely won't have anything to play for in that final regular season and the game. the Riders might not either. Not, not either. So it could be way back. I'm trying to remember which season that happened. Was that 18 when they didn't, they played the last, yeah, 19 they had a win. 18, they didn't have anything to gain from the last game other than they just played it. You yeah, better that, remember. That will happen from time to time, but they still won't give the fans a discount on in those situations. No. But you know what it reminds me of this this offense? 
without the offensive line issues, mind you. So maybe it's a different comparison. Riders in 2013 had this high-powered offense. They won a great cup with it. They had a great receiving court, amazing running back, etc. Um, and Darian Durant threw three, went 31 touchdown passes and was named a West All-Star. Should have been named a CFL All-Star. It was Darian's best season. Um, in, in 2014, they started off 8-2. and two. Great start. But the offense wasn't the same. They, they were still winning, and they were winning ugly sometimes. But suddenly, Darian's touchdown pass totals were virtually halved and uh, yeah. before he got hurt. The difference being, um, Weston Dressler went to the NFL. And then when he came back, it was a, he had a game and a half of playing with Darian before, before Darian got hurt. And they just took mm-hmm. a little while to get their rapport back. So it almost seems the same. You know, you take away, you take away the best receiver for a considerable portion of the season. The offense, the team still finds a way to win. It's pretty resourceful. Um, but the numbers are down. And then, and then Weston Dressler comes back, as did Shaq Evans. And then you add in Duke Williams. It didn't have the anticipated rejuvenative effect right off the bat. And then, mm-hmm. and then by the time Weston Dressler did get settled in the offense again, he was catching passes from Tino Sinceri. So that's what can happen, you know, from year to year. I mean, it was in that case there wasn't the uh, the the gap year due of 2020 in the in the equation, but 2013 and 2014, Darian Durant was pretty much the same human being, same quarterback. He just didn't have the same uh, resources around him. Uh, you know, he didn't have Corey Sheets anymore didn't have Western dresser for most of the season and the numbers went down, but they still found a way to win on the strength of defense. And and I think uh, character, and that's what this team is, I think doing now it's Mm -hmm. in a way, it's a bit of a slow back to uh, what the Rough Riders did in, uh, in, uh, in 2014, or even look at it. 2018, the Rough Riders went 12 and six, got a home playoff game. And there were some really ugly football games. I mean, Zach Caleros threw nine touchdown passes, 13 interceptions. That offense was just, horrible to watch but and so you don't look at that 20 2018 team and think of really glowingly of it but that was a 12 and 6 football team that just kept finding a way on the strength of defense and i think jason shivers and his schemes are doing what chris jones and his schemes did for the rough riders a few years back yeah i am shivers had a, had a great does a great great couple of games defensively i think well, especially the game against montreal just called everything. They didn't blitz a lot, did they? I don't think there was a lot no, of blitzing. I mean, they're, they're, they blitz it more than usual, but of their of their five sacks, um, three of them were the four man rush, and two of them were the five man rush. I don't recall them going with six. Maybe maybe they did once or twice, but I don't recall it. Uh, Montreal on its blitzes or on its sacks, it was pretty much they were sending five or six every time they got a sack. But the mm-hmm. Rough Riders did it three times with with four pass four pass rushers. We look how effective Calgary was in, against the Rough Riders in those back to back victories over Saskatchewan when they were almost exclusively sending four people and getting pressure. So the Riders were able to do to Montreal what Calgary did to Saskatchewan. You rush four people, you create all sorts of havoc, and you can put everybody else back into coverage. Except suddenly you're not facing Bo Levi Mitchell, you're facing uh, Matthew Schiltz. <laughs> That's yeah. uh, that's that's advantageous for the Rough Riders. And who do you think they're going to face against Evans? Is it Nick Arbuckle? Is it Cornelius? Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Um, does it matter? Uh, not much, much. You know, I don't think I mean, that, that team just looks like it's just wants to get the season over with. What what's going to happen when Evans plays those three rapid fire games at the end of the year that mean aren't nothing? They, aren't they? There, like, doesn't that start with this game on Friday? I, that, I guess it would. Yeah, because yeah, because it's uh, Riders, Riders. Friday. And, no, hold on. Because they there's a week between those there's Whatever, eight yeah, days just, between the two between the two riders games in Edmonton so it's down the it's you, you kick the can down the road a little bit but 
It's just, yeah. uh, it's, 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 that could be ugly. You know, if, if the Eskimos are competitive early, they might be able to ride that. But if they get down, if the yeah. Rough Riders can get a good well, start they're not out of the Edmonton, playoffs yet. that they're at the Edmonton Elks, <laughs> then it could just it'd fall apart. And that's, that's, I think that's the only danger the riders face. They're such consistently uh, slow starters that if they can't get going until the second quarter and they give the Eskimos a bit of life, a bit of hope, maybe the Eskimos, maybe the Elks can ride that and, and make, a, make a game of it. But the Rough Riders can, can atypically uh, hit Edmonton with some shock and awe right out of the gate. That team could just fold up like a cheap oh, tent. Yeah. And they're not, uh, it's so. Isn't it great in the CFL that with two wins, the Eskimos still are, <laughs> see, you did it to me. Tied uh, on one with that guy. Yes. Uh, the Elks are still have kind of a playoff spot in their sights. It takes a whole lot of fermentations for them to get it, but just two wins and it's still not, they still aren't out of it technically. But then this is the thing. CFL, you know, in 1981, Montreal made the playoffs with three wins. Yeah, Ottawa true. got to the great cup with five. So you never know. Anyway, but it won't happen. But we do know we got to wrap her up, Rob, because we. You gotta get to get practice. practice. I'm. I, I have a day off today. I want to go for a bike ride. Um, because it's just bombing out. Tar- there were snowflakes yesterday morning. I noticed when I was up. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's uh, It is November in Saskatchewan, isn't it? Yeah. I just got to read our little uh, out- outro. They call it uh, in the in the industry. Uh, mm-hmm. If you enjoy the podcast, we hope you do. Uh, if you've lasted this far into the podcast, uh, we're pretty sure that you do. So thank you for bearing with us. And I hope you enjoy the dog. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating, a six-star rating for Candy, if you would, uh, who I mentioned is in the Humane Society calendar. She's Miss April. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Google? Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, please do. My email is rvanstone at postmedia.com and we will be happy to read it on the show you can also follow me my name is rob on twitter at, at rob vanstone or murray and his twitter handle is at murray lp so there we go i'm going to let you get to practice uh i may thank ride you. my bike close to the big stadium today uh, thank you so much for being with us uh, we will uh, do this again uh, as we always do next tuesday and and uh, talk about game one of the two games set against the edmonton elks For Murray McCormick, I'm Rob Vanstone. That's Candy. And uh, we will do this again next week. Take care, stay safe, and have a great day.